Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, ClearCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates in our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. Hello, hello, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Keller, and it's Military Families Month, including Veterans Day. So today we're going to talk about a portion of our audience within the defense community, reservist. Now, the term military in the military community, we define as the people of active duty, the reserves, guard, veterans, and military spouses. But reservists are really unique in their own way. And so military-friendly employers they showcase somewhat of a commitment and effort and those success stories in creating a sustainable and meaningful benefit or employment options for the military community. And so some of the biggest military-friendly employers, they're some of Clearance Jobs Partners, I'll shout out Boeing, Raytheon, Aerojet Rocketdyne, Naval Nuclear Laboratory, and that's just to name a few. But my guest today is hoping that employers take it a little bit further and become reservist-friendly employers, which I cannot commend enough. So a decade ago, D.C. native U.S. Army Reserve Captain Eric Evans enlisted in the Army National Guard, a decision that would really alter the course of his life and inspire a remarkable journey of support for fellow National Guard and Reserve soldiers. So as he embarked on that path, Evans encountered a significant hurdle, and that was notifying his employer of his commitment to attend Army basic combat training. So leveraging his leadership gained from the Army Reserves, he established a network of military-friendly employers and really that reserve-friendly employer aspect. And it also provides resources for National Guard and Reserve service members, and it's called Friendly Forces. So this initiative empowers reservists to identify companies aligning with their specific requirements concerning deployment orders, and training while balancing full-time civilian jobs. It's a lot to deal with. But before I get into my questions, Eric, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Thank you for having me, Katie. I've been a big fan of Clearance Jobs for a while. So this is a pretty big honor for me to be on the Clearance Jobs podcast. We're so honored that you took the time. And so this topic is super important to me, maybe not for the same reason as you. I have never been a reservist, but we're going to talk about what the implications might be in recruitment, hiring, and retention in a little bit. But first, let's bust the myth on the veteran community at large. Why do reservists really get lumped in and why should they not? Yeah. So when you get right down to it, there are two completely different but related audiences or groups. So veterans used to be in the military. Reservists still are in the military. And with that obviously comes you know, very different needs and challenges for each group. While veterans may need support adapting to a new career, a new civilian lifestyle, reservists tend to need support from their organizations that supports, you know, their training rotations, their deployments, and, and their time away from work. The issue is that reservists tend to get lumped in primarily out of convenience and a lack of understanding by corporate America. Put simply, it's easier for people to use the term military rather than separating active duty service members and National Guardsmen, reservists, those still serving. That sort of muddies the waters a little bit. We've also found very recently that while most companies can tell you how many veterans work at their organizations, they really don't collect or are unable to tell you how many actively serving 
reservists work at their companies. They're just not collecting that data as of right now. And that's something we'd like to see changed. Yeah, well, and shout out to my last contractor that I supported before joining Clarence Jobs because the chief operating officer was actually a reservist. And so it was insanely reserve-friendly employer. So again, shout out to those folks. But And then from you know a recruitment perspective, which I kind of teased to, it's really important to talk with your HR people and make sure that you have these benefits. And so I know that even when you've consulted with recruiters, you and other service members that may have been your colleagues or cohorts have found obtaining accurate and up-to-date information about leave policies and differential pay was a little bit challenging. And so let's kind of dive into that a little bit more and talk about the difficulty of finding employers with reserve-friendly benefits and advertising them. Sure. So that was probably the main impetus and the, really the main utility uh, behind our site, Friendly Forces, where we aggregate and open source an ever-growing list of companies. Uh, and we are able to say this company is reservist friendly because they offer paid military leave or they don't. So we're actually highlighting kind of the good guys and then you know some of the companies that we believe should be doing better. But part of the issue is that most companies, or I should say most of the primary points of contact that people like me will be interfacing with during the recruiting or hiring process, unless they've somehow been in the reserve, which is unlikely, they almost don't even understand the question. If they answer it, you know, they're unable to tell you if their company is veteran or military or reservist friendly. If they are, they, they often give inaccurate information. A larger or, you know, equally sort of important facet of this is that a large number of companies actually, for some reason, gatekeep this information in kind of a strange way. We've contacted hundreds of companies regarding their military leave policies. You know, probably 90% of them at least initially want to sort of protect that information. We constantly hear either A, nothing at all, we get ignored, uh, B, let me check with legal first or let me check with compliance first, or C, we can't or won't share that information. Talk about a red flag. Well, it's just, it's very strange because I can't imagine a company sort of you know, denying to, to tell a candidate about their PTO or their 401k plan, or if they offer some sort of parental leave policy, maybe for someone who, who thinks they might be having a child soon, it's, you know, highly relevant, highly critical information. Like that information, you know, they're, they're very open about sharing, but for some reason, this particular issue, we run into a lot of secrecy around it, which is kind of strange. You know, I think the big thing that companies need to understand is that military leave policies only impact those who are still actually serving. So if you're a veteran, you got out and you joined, you know, company A, that, like you have nothing to do. You have real, really no affiliation with the military anymore. Military leave isn't something you need because you're not going to be deploying. You're not going to be getting called up. But to people like me, it's, it's absolutely critical to have this information on, on the front end. You know, funny enough, we, we've done the math at, at various companies we've spoken to. And we found that in general, less than far less than 1% of employees at any given company are actively serving in the military part-time. So we don't really understand the hesitation or the, or the unwillingness for, for large companies not to adopt and share generous military leave policies. It's really a drop in the bucket. Add to that that it's, it's very unlikely unless we're in some kind of a World War III situation that all of the reservists at your company, which again, isn't going to be very many, are going to you know, ever be deployed at the same time. You know, a lot of these companies have tens of thousands of employees and, uh, you know, maybe 
a handful of them will actually be reservists. So that's what we do. We exist to help reservists find companies that will help them thrive in and out of uniform and who will ensure that at least they're at least on par with their civilian counterparts regarding sort of support to, to their military service. There's only approximately 800,000 reservists at any given time in our U.S. military. And, and that is also, I think that's about 0.4% of the U.S. working population. So while it's a, a large audience, a large and important audience, it's, it's actually, you know, compared to the entire pool, it, it's not super significant. So we really think that companies should invest in helping these people, particularly if they're operating within the defense or national security apparatus. Sure. Well, and it just may be an issue of leadership or the folks that are making these decisions in the private sector or industry that they are just not reservists themselves. They don't, they're don't. they not aware of these numbers and understanding that it is just a drop in the bucket. So joining the military reserves on on the reservist end is a huge commitment schedule wise. So you have the initial training, getting settled in a permanent unit. Reservists are required to do drill one weekend per month. You do a two week yearly training. And so a reservist PTO could be sucked dry every year without accounting for vacation or sick leave, depending on their weekly schedule. And that's why military friendly employers, and we'll talk about some that you find to be reservist friendly, including military friendly, they actually pay reservists or offer some sort of PTO in addition to the standard pack for non-military employees. If you don't offer these benefits, and I'm speaking to recruiters, you could be missing out on a portion of the cleared talent pool. And so let's talk about why it's important for companies to not only be veteran friendly, but really that reserve friendly too. Absolutely. I mean, I'm so passionate about this. I lived it for a very long time, for about 10 years, worked at a number of companies where I've been able to see the difference in the level of support offered and just the positive or negative impact it's had on me and, and my family. So it, it really, when, when companies offer you know a paid military leave benefit for reservists, it really, really goes a long way in, in lessening that financial burden on the service member and on the service member's family. And that's because particularly in the reserve, you have in the guard. So when I say reserve, I'm talking about reserve and national guard across, across all branches. You have a lot of incredibly highly skilled people with experience, with certs, with clearances that can pick any number of companies to work for. So, you know, Friendly Forces has actually started kind of a, a movement where we're educating uh, a lot of the force who maybe they've only ever worked at one company that didn't offer paid military leave, or maybe they had a, a not a very generous policy and they just didn't realize until we started Friendly Forces that there are companies out there that are really, really doing great things as far as their support to the military community. And when I say the military community, I mean people still in the military, aka reservists. So, you know, companies top of mind operating in the, the public sector, the cleared sector that are particularly good and that we have uh, highly ranked on friendly forces would be companies like Accenture, Parsons, BAE Systems, Honeywell International, Who's Out Hamilton, Guidehouse, GE Aerospace, LMI, a smaller company called Rebellion Defense. So we love to see companies that are, um, you know, really sort of going the extra mile to support reservists. And we think, uh, you know, they should be commended for that. And we want to share that to our network of reservists. But there's kind of a higher level issue at stake here too, which is that the reserve components of the United States military make up a little under 50% of our total military strength. And I don't think most people understand that. 
I did not understand it until fairly recently. A lot of our combat power, especially uh, aviation units, pilots, support, and a lot of our combat arms power is in the National Guard and Reserve. If companies aren't supporting their reservists, if we end up, and I'm actually writing an article about this right now, titled Paying to Serve. So if I'm losing money to do my reserve duty, then I'm actually paying to serve. And again, that you know, that's affecting my family, that's affecting our, you know, our monthly cash flow. Because a lot of your reservists, as I said, are, are highly skilled, highly educated people that, that make comfortable livings in their civilian careers. Now, when they're on orders, they might revert back to maybe they're an E5 or a sergeant or a captain, something like that. And the military just does not pay the way the, the civilian sector does. When I'm on orders and I'm, I'm going back down only to my military pay, I'm still having to pay my, you know, my mortgage in a high cost of living area. I think I mentioned earlier to you, I got called up on orders with about three days notice for, for a three-week school, in addition to my two-week annual training, in addition to my drills, in addition to you know whatever else might come up. And because of that, we're now having to hire like all these extra dog walkers to take care of our dogs. My wife works, she's not around. So in theory, if my company was not providing differential pay, now I'm losing a large chunk of my income during this period. And on top of that, I'm incurring additional expenses related to you know, my dogs and whatever else might come up. If my wife can't make it home, maybe we have to board the dogs. We don't have children, but if we had children, you know, we'd be having to hire babysitters, all that kind of stuff. So it, when companies offer these types of paid military programs, it really helps a service member and it enables them and allows them to stay in the military and continue to serve. We hear it all the time in our units. Why do all the good guys get out as soon as they can? Well, most often the response is that they lose out on too much money and their career progression takes a hit due to their part-time service. Why would people join and actually stay in the reserves or the National Guard if the incentive to do so just isn't there? They're losing too much money and potentially their, their career is suffering as well. Well, and especially in a time when things are just only getting more expensive, like having these benefits is really important for, like you said, the National Guard and the reserves. And so many people transfer to the reserves from active duty, but you can also support the National Guard or reserves without prior military experience, which can be a really easy way to gain a security clearance. And so most components have similar requirements, obligations, or state or federal benefits. So it, it seems like an attractive thing to do only if you have an employer that is conducive to that. But you actually have a negative personal experience on the subject. So tell us about your experience being a contractor and a reservist and how Army basic combat training when you just simply let them know it led to the dismissal by your employer. Sure. So I, I have had positive experiences too. But as we've mentioned over the past decade, I, I've worked at a few different companies. Unfortunately, the, the first company I was working at, it was really like my first real sort of big boy job out of college. I expressed directly to my leadership team at that company that I had enlisted in the Army National Guard and that in about six months or so, I would need to take a leave of absence to go attend my initial entry training, basic training, all that good stuff. I assumed they would be perfectly fine with it. I never heard another peep about it from my my manager, which even at the time I thought was odd because it was the type of organization where you had a meeting for anything and everything all the time. So I felt like I was dropping kind of a big bomb on them and that they would want to talk about it. But that never happened. About three weeks later, I was called into a meeting, my manager, her manager, and the CEO of the company, and was basically told that my performance was not up to snuff and that the company thought that I should resign. 
they actually gave me two options. They said either you resign now and, and you'll get some sort of additional severance or uh, you can stay employed here. But if you mess up again for any reason, we're going to terminate you. I was incredibly caught off guard, you know, taken by surprise, didn't really know what to do, ended up having to get a lawyer involved. It wasn't pretty and we ended up parting ways. But that was really kind of the, the initial impetus for starting Friendly Forces that planted the seed 10 years ago. And as I was joined the National Guard and, and was in for a bit, I heard this some version of this story over and over and over again, where people's military service was being used against them. And most companies aren't naive enough to tell you that it's, you know, we're firing you or we're cutting your hours or this or that because you're in the military, that would be illegal. What they do is they're able to say, well, it has nothing to do with that. It's because of performance or it's because of this or it's because of that. That is a, a very real issue that continually affects reservists. So that was not a very pleasant experience. But since then, you know, this is why places like clearance jobs are so great. Having joined the National Guard, I was able to initially get a secret clearance. And with my consulting background, I very quickly was able to enter into the cleared consulting arena, ended up getting a top secret clearance, which opened up more doors. I sought out and worked for companies that were, were really, really supportive. I, I deployed for a year with one of those companies. They, they were paying me differential pay. That was amazing. I would have lost a, an absolute enormous amount of my income over that year if they hadn't been doing that. It, it would not have been tenable or sustainable for me. So yeah, I, I had a, a very negative initial experience, but since then, I've generally had pretty good experiences. I will say I did work, my previous company that I worked for, which is a big defense contractor, was not super good as far as their support to reservists and, and paid military leave. And, and that always bothered me because they do a lot of business with the government. They, they love veterans. They're always on these top veteran friendly lists. And I felt like I wasn't being supported. They paid me during my two week training. And then pretty much that was the end of the support. But I ended up having to go to like a three month long army school later on, which actually directly applied to the role I was doing for them, for the company, for the client. And, you know, I was just on my own at, at first lieutenant pay at the time. And uh, I took a big hit there. So that was a, a real motivation for me to leave that company, look for a similar company that was more supportive, found one, joined it. And I've been very happy there ever since. But uh, it, it really is a, a recruiting and retention issue. I wanted to become more of one. I want to share this with other reservists so they know there are good companies out there that walk the walk and don't only talk the talk. That's what we're doing. Sure. I mean, it can become this, you know, silly marketing scheme, especially when it gets closer to this month. You know, you know how some companies operate. But I love that you turned a negative experience into something positive and inspiring and a good resource for folks. And so you alluded to your list of reservist friendly employers earlier in the conversation, but listeners can view the full list at friendlyforces.com. So tell us more about the list and how you kind of evaluate employers. As I mentioned, the, the list is ever growing. We do a lot of open source research in my team, who's all serving officers in either the National Guard or Reserve. We see if companies you know, openly publish this information, which maybe 5% of them do. I would call that a, a best practice. That's a super great thing so that people like me don't have to jump through hoops to find this information to figure out. Should I even apply? Should I go through four interviews before I'm told that, oh, actually, we don't offer paid military leave? And actually, I, you know, the COO of Friendly Forces 
ran into a little bit of an issue with that in that he was interviewing with the company, asked them, the recruiter directly, do you offer paid military leave? He or she said, yes. I think they said, we offer it for 12 months. He said, that's awesome. He had multiple offers on the table. He went with that company. He ended up getting hired there. And lo and behold, uh, it turns out she had given him bad information. And actually, we don't offer any paid military leave whatsoever. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so he was pretty upset about that. It's kind of an awkward thing to talk about in interviews for multiple reasons. Generally, as we've touched on earlier, a lot of times the people you're talking to have no idea really what you're even asking them. And if they do, they often give inaccurate information. But more so than that, it, it can set you up to not get the job or, or somehow be discriminated against because they look at it as sort of like this guy's already asking about time off and he, you know, he's only in the first interview or maybe the pre-interview. So I'm not going to waste my time with him. He's he's a malcontent or a, a malinger or something like that. So again, Friendly Forces is sort of doing the work up front so that people can target the, the reservist friendly companies and not even have to worry about having those awkward conversations. As far as the list, we have 300 plus right now. I have about another 40 that I need to add. As I said, we search open source. We reach out to companies directly. If we can't get information that way, we have a very large network of serving reservists who are happy to tell us about their companies, particularly if they're very good or if they feel that they're they're not doing so well. So that really helps as far as collecting the data. As far as how we evaluate companies, basically what we're looking for is do companies offer a paid military leave benefit? What does that entail? Is it full salary continuance, which means they just continue to pay your entire salary as if you were still there? Or do they offer some sort of differential pay? which offsets your military pay and, and keeps you whole. And then what we look at is, okay, how long does that benefit last? Is it less than three months? Is it six months? Is it 12 months plus? Given that information, we came up with a rating scheme where we're able to bucket companies and then award credentials based on how favorable they are. So we consider any company that's Friendly Forces three-star company very good for reservists. So a three-star would mean that they offer either full salary continuance or salary differential for six months or more. Four stars would be some full salary continuation transitioning to salary differential. So some companies will say, okay, we'll continue to pay you as normal for 30 days, but after that it goes to differential. They do that for 12 months or more, it's four stars. And the five-star companies obviously are those that will continue to just pay your full salary no questions asked for 12 months or more. And uh, there's not many of, the, of those companies. There's a few. Those ones are uh, truly showing uh, a commitment to reservists, which we love to see. Oh, well, hey. And if you have a good number of four-star and, you know, a couple of five-star, you got to wonder, okay, these companies are doing it. Why the hell am I not doing it? And so, Eric, thank you so much for joining me for the podcast today. It's been a great conversation. HR peeps and recruiters, engage with your leadership and make sure you are not causing your employee reservists to pay to serve. Reservists, head over to FriendlyForces.com to find employers who are friendly to your reserve duties. And for more on military news, you can always visit news.clearancejobs.com. This podcast is brought to you by the National Security Hiring Team at Booz Allen. Threats to national security are accelerating, from expanding attack surfaces to global adversaries. We work with leaders across the intelligence community to solve critical challenges today while innovating solutions for tomorrow. Accelerate mission impact and explore careers at boozallen.com slash intelcareers. careers.